I want to share with you today a well-known story of Matthew the tax collector. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 27 onwards. After these things, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all and rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him a, gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others sat down with them. And their scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." So yeah, we're going to look at the conversion of Levi. Levi is a publican. Uh, he's a notorious sinner. And he is a sinner that is so despised by the people, the Jewish people. Because he being a Hebrew, he has become a publican. He has now begun to collect taxes for the Roman government. The publicans were hated by all the Jewish people. Now, not only were they hated, they were excommunicated from the temple. They were barred from the temple. It was not allowed to sit and eat with a publican. A, a devout Jewish person would never even eat with a publican. Uh, wouldn't talk to them even. If you needed help and aid, it was forbidden according to the Jewish custom to even receive help from a publican. So the publican's Levi was a despised man, a rejected man, a man that he knew he was doing wrong. He knew he didn't have peace in his heart. But maybe he thought, I've got to stop this tax collecting business. I've got to go back to the temple. I, I don't want to do this anymore. But then he would have a good day. And these tax collectors were very, very corrupt. They would take much, much more than was due. So somebody would come and Levi would say, right, you owe this and this much. And he would complain. And he would have standing by the centurions, the Roman soldiers. And if he complained too much, he would call the soldiers and say, arrest this one. So the people feared him and hated him. So now Levi would maybe on a specific day demand a lot of money from people and his pockets would be bulging full. And he'd say, ah, this was a good day. Why do I want to give this up? Ah, this is, I'm making a lot. Let me keep this up. But he had no peace in his heart. No peace whatsoever. Hated man. And something amazing happened in verse 27. It says, And after these things he went forth, and he saw a publican named Levi 
sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said to him, follow me. The Lord Jesus went forth and he saw him. He saw him, but he didn't just see him from afar off. The, the, the original word there means he observed him. He looked intently at him. And how did he look? Did he look at him angry with him? Or did he look at him with pity and say, this is one, a sheep without a shepherd? This is one who is lost, one whom I came to seek and to find and rescue and redeem. The one who had eyes as flames of fire. Look at Levi. And if he looked at Levi, he saw everything. He knew he was a crook. He knew he was carrying a heavy burden of guilt on his shoulder. He saw the emptiness of his heart. He saw how lost he was. And he said to him, follow me. That simply means, Levi, become one of my disciples. Come and follow me as a disciple. Come now, join my band. Join me, follow me. The scripture tells us that he got up and left the tables. He got up and left. And this is a picture of turning. Yari was having a great income, but the Lord called him and he turned from his old life. And now he began to follow the Lord. Let me just show you what kind of burden Matthew would have had or, or Levi because the Lord changed his name from Levi to Matthew. And Matthew, uh, Levi, people say, a lot of people say in the, in the concordances that I studied that he was the son of Cleopas. Now, who was Cleopas? Cleopas was the sister of the Lord's mother. In other words, he was related to Jesus. This was a devout Jewish family, a devout Hebrew family. What shame that Levi had brought on the family. How heavy the hearts of the family were that their son had become a publican, a tax collector, shaming the family, excommunicated from the temple, nobody allowed to eat with him. Cleopas was so sad, the mother was so sad that her son had betrayed the Hebrew people and had sided uh, with the Romans. But the Lord looks upon Levi and says to him, follow me, follow me. How powerful this calling must have been. Levi is drawn with an irresistible call from the Lord and he leaves his table and he follows the Lord. And let me tell you, if he left that job, there would be no way that he could return to that work. Jesus finds this lost man, Levi, 
and he brings him back to his old home. Now he's a new man. Before he was a lost man. Now he's a new man. He gets a new name. And his new name is Matthew, which means a true gift of God. And it was a true gift of God because the wounded and the sad hearts of Cleopas and the brothers and the sisters and the whole family, imagine how they were rejoicing now that their son had left that sinful life, that sinful past, and now had come home and now had received the Lord as his Savior, and now was following Jesus. How glad their hearts must have been. The brothers and the sisters previously were ashamed of him, and now they are rejoicing. The reality that Levi was truly converted is the fact that he left his old life. That's the reality. He left his old way of life. I want to ask you, supposing that Levi was not willing to turn from the tables, not willing to leave the old paths and turn to Christ, would we read that he became Matthew the disciple? I don't think so. There are people, so many people, in today's modern theology, modern way of preaching, they say, Repentance is not necessary. We are saved by grace through faith alone. Repentance is crucial, absolutely crucial, because if Levi had stayed at the tables and refused to turn from those tables and did not follow the Lord, he would have never become a disciple. He, never, not at all. Just look at the tremendous benefit that the repentance was to all of those around Levi and to Levi himself. Some people, they, they say, well, repentance is depressing. Why do you preach such a depressing message? Why do you preach about repentance? We want to hear something lively, something good. Well, it wasn't depressing for Levi. In the very next verse, we read what Levi did, uh, what he thought about turning from his shameful ways and turning towards God. In other words, what Levi thought about repentance, we read in Luke 5.28. And he left all, and he rose up and he followed him. We'll get to verse 29 in a minute, but I want to make a comment here. Levi was considered the worst kind of sinner. He was numbered with the harlots and the drunkards and even the murderers. That's how much they hated him. That's how low they considered him. You are just like a murderer. No one is too far gone for the Lord. Nobody's too lost for the Lord. The Lord can reach the lowest. The Lord can reach the most terrible sinner. And he can have grace on them. And he can have compassion upon them. He came to call sinners, the worst of sinners, to repentance. Levi repented. He left his job. He left his table. And in verse 29, we see what Levi was thinking. 
And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans, and all the others sat down with them. I've never heard of anyone making a great feast because they're unhappy. Making a great feast and a great party because they're sad. They make a great feast because they are happy. Because they have joy and merriment in their heart. Not because they are sad. Levi was not sad that he had to leave the tables. He was glad that the Lord had called him and said, follow me. He was full of joy. Levi was truly converted and there was a great desire. He had a great desire. How do we know he was converted? Because he invited all his publican friends. And he said, I have found Jesus. I have been converted. You too must meet Jesus. When somebody is truly converted, one of the signs is they want everybody to know the Jesus that they have found. And Levi wanted everyone, all his publican friends, to know the same Lord that he had found. And he gladly opened his heart to the Lord, but he also gladly opened his house to the Lord. The Lord was the one who came to him. No Pharisee wanted to even talk to him. No Pharisee wanted to to try to speak to him about his soul or about salvation. But the Lord was concerned for him. When somebody is truly saved, they don't want to go to heaven alone. They want to take others with them. How do you know someone's really converted? They want to take people with them to heaven. So Levi left all and he followed Christ. The application is, have we left all and followed him? Have you turned from all your old ways and turned to Christ? Have you repented? Has there been an about turn in your life? Are you like Levi wanting to take all your friends to heaven? Levi counted his his conversion as a source of great joy. Great joy. But I'm sure that his friends couldn't understand. Those that weren't converted. They couldn't understand. Why would he give up a good income? Why would he turn his back on those tables? He was making a lot of money. Instead of them rejoicing with Levi, they pitied him. They felt sorry for him. The poor man has gone off. He's lost. But he wasn't lost. He was found. He was full of joy himself. To those that are perishing, the gospel is foolishness. But to those that are being saved, it is the wisdom of God. He had great reason to rejoice. Levi's friends, they only saw the temporal losses. They did not see the spiritual gain. They did not see the eternal life that Levi had inherited. They knew nothing of the peace that Levi now had in his heart. They knew nothing of the healing that came to his soul. They knew nothing of the burden that was lifted, the burden of guilt. They knew nothing of the living waters which were granted to Levi to drink of that he thirst not. Oh, he had bread from heaven that they knew nothing about. What do you think? Do you think that Levi did the right thing leaving his tables? 
Or do you think he should have stayed? Do you think he was a fool to give up all that money? Or do you think he was wise to follow Christ? You see, some people, they go, mm, well, I don't know. I think, you know, that money was really helpful. No, Levi was wise to follow Christ. He was wise. Luke chapter 5 and verse 30. But the scribes and the Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Just one comment here about this verse. Religion is not concerned with the lost soul. The Pharisees were not concerned with the lost soul. Here we see Jesus eating with them, drinking with them, sharing with them. And he says, it is not for the righteous that I have come, but the unrighteous. Our Savior is known by this wonderful title, the friend of sinners. And this is one of the most merciful titles of our Lord. When we read the next two verses, 31 and 32, And Jesus answering said unto him, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why would Jesus call sinners to repentance if repentance was not necessary? Why would he call sinners to repentance if, sin, if repentance was not profitable? In Acts 5 and verse 31, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So why did God exalt Jesus that he may give repentance to Israel, the Israel of God, which is us, if repentance wasn't necessary? If all we could do was believe and get saved and never repent, why did the, this scripture say, and many others, that God exalted him to the right hand to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins? Repentance shouldn't be seen as something that we choose to or decide to do. It's not a human action. Rather, it's a privilege the loving heart of God has given us and granted unto us. He gives repentance. Always after repentance, remission of sins follows. One who repents and turns from his sinful ways to God, always remission follows. On the other hand, without repentance, remission does not follow. If you do not repent, your sins are not cancelled. If you do not repent and turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. That's the meaning of repent, to turn. It's a military word. You are marching. Your officer cries out, about turn. You halt and you turn around and you go the other way. That's what repent means, to turn around. If we continue in sinful pleasures, in darkness, I think we can say that really sin is still our master. But repentance is turning from the old to the new. 
How can we say that Jesus is Lord and we continue in darkness? How can we say he is my savior and yet I can't? I've been translated out of darkness into his glorious light, but you continue living in darkness. No, you have not. We turn from darkness. I want to just read you Isaiah 59 and verse 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated separated between you and God, and your sin has hid his face from you that he will not hear. Why must we repent? Why must we turn away from sin and turn to God? Because sin separates us from God. Sin cuts us off from the blessings of God. He cannot sanction and agree with wickedness. God hates sin, and he sent forth his son to destroy the works of the devil. Can you see, we cannot continue in the works of the devil and serve the living God. We turn from the works of the devil and turn to God. You know, there's a popular saying, God loves me just the way I am. I don't need to change. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. He's full of truth. I love him. No, no, no. He's not your Lord. If you still desire to live in darkness, then he's not your Lord. And you have no fellowship with him because our fellowship is with him. As we walk in the light where he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. God loves us, but he grants us time and space to repent. For example... Even wicked Jezebel was granted time and space to repent. However, time and space were not enough. Jezebel never repented. He grants us grace to repent. If we have no grace, the gift of the power to repent is not granted. God grants us grace to repent. Without grace, no one would repent. No one would be convinced for the need to repent. True repentance is realizing that our sin is the worst in the whole universe and that it needs to be forgiven. True repentance is an acknowledgement that what I am doing is terrible. And I need to be cleansed. I have done wrong against God. True repentance is turning unto life. As we see in Acts 11 and verse 18. Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Repentance always leads to life. When a person lives in union with the Spirit of God... Crooked things become straight. Rough places become smooth. The converted person becomes dead to sin and alive to Christ.
And I'll start drawing to a close. I want to read you a scripture from Romans 6 and verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this carries the meaning that we should avoid sin. But that's just a shallow meaning. What it really means, it, the deeper meaning is that, uh, let me explain to you. A man may avoid sin because if he does, he can gain an advantage. So he does it to gain the advantage. Or he may avoid the sin because he wants to maintain his reputation. But really deep down in his heart, he's really wishing, I wish I could do that sin. I wish I don't have to restrain myself. But these people are watching, I have to behave. But that's not true. Um, that's not really the, the meaning of what it is to turn to the Lord. That's just doing it because you have to and wishing you could still continue to do it. The best example of that is Lot's wife. You know, Lot's wife did leave Sodom. She did come out, but really her heart wasn't in it to leave. She would have rather stayed. And that's not repentance. She looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Her heart was not in her leaving. But there are so many Christians they profess to leave the world. They profess that they've turned from it. We are to be dead to sin. Our whole nature should be against that sin. That's what makes us different between a believer and a pretender. The believer has no desire to live in sin, and the pretender wishes he could do the sin. Let me give you an example. Supposing I said to a mother, a young mother, who really loved their baby, and I said, Mother, throw your baby out the window. The mother would just look at you. I, I, I can't do that. It is against my maternal nature. I love my child. I cannot bring myself to do that. What's wrong with you, mother? Are your hands weak that you cannot open the window? Have you no strength to pull the window open? Of course she has strength to pull the window open. Of course she can easily do it. But she will not do it. Why not? Because she has that nature in her as a mother. She can't do it. It restrains her from doing it. She loves the child too much. Well... The Christian that has truly been born again has a new nature. The old has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And when the opportunity comes to sin, that new nature in him hates to sin, doesn't want to sin, tries to avoid sin. And if he should sin, 
desires to be made right. Oh God, forgive me for my iniquity. Forgive me for these mistakes. Set me free from this. I don't want to do this. It grieves me and I know it grieves you. You see, that's true repentance. You see, the scripture says that we should repent and turn to God and do works, meat of repentance. So repentance is valid. It is something that we still must do, even although we're born again, even although we keep turning from our old way of life. We don't practice the old things that we used to do. And if we do, we ask the Lord to give us power to turn from them. And that new nature in us, we don't want to do those old things anymore. The Christian does not want to sin. He has a new nature, a godly nature that hates sin and wants to obey God. This is a great evidence that they are truly born again. The ones that say that they don't need to repent, wish they could really continue in their old life. They're a bit like Lot's wife. But as for me, and I know as for many of us, we believe that repentance is necessary and continues to remain necessary. Believe, believe, believe. It's the most common gospel that we hear today. You can switch on many TV programs, and you can just hear, believe, believe, believe. King Agrippa believed and was almost persuaded. Do you remember when Paul was giving his defense in Acts 26? And he says, let me read it to you. But showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works, meet of repentance. So Paul said to the king, he said, the king knoweth these things. He knows what I'm speaking is true. He said, freely, King Agrippa, I know that you believe. King Agrippa said unto Paul, almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He believed. King Agrippa believed. But there's no record of King Agrippa repenting, turning away from his old life. There's no record of remission of sin. There's no record of him being redeemed. If we want to truly be redeemed, repent and Believe the gospel and you shall be saved. Amen.